0: The Bigger Picture, going behind the headlines of the biggest economic and political stories of the day.
1: This is Simon Rose. You join me for The Bigger Picture, where I'm joined by Mike Indian. Now, before we begin, I should point out that we are recording this just after noon on Thursday, the 7th of July. Um, The day after a raft of resignations, including the Chancellor and the Health um, Secretary, where um, Boris Johnson sort of holed up in, in Downing Street and trying to keep going in some sort of way so Mike whatever we say now is going to get out of date soon but I just want to um, just pass this on um, a a piece that uh, has gone viral apparently is an old Boris Johnson column I don't know if you've seen this because there's so much to (laughs) get get it but he was commenting on Gordon Brown's attempt to stay in number 10 after the 2010 general election I'll just read a tiny bit the whole thing is unbelievable. As I write these words, Gordon Brown is still holed up in Downing Street. He's like some illegal settler in the Sinai desert lashing himself to the radiator, or like David Brent haunting the office in that excruciating episode when he refuses to acknowledge that he has been sacked. Well, you can understand why it's gone <laughs> viral, really. <laughs> anyway, oh. so tell us what's happened. I mean, we ought to, re- to recap slightly on yesterday, but obviously, whatever we say is going to go out of date fairly quickly. I, uh, <laughs>
0: well, I'm I'm not sure what we can, what we can say that will be to quite sum up. I, I've 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 been covering politics now as a as a lobbyist and as a journalist now for 12 years and i mm. uh, there, there never ceases to be a day so far that things surprise me <laughs> uh, as as we are sitting here recording this boris johnson is about to announce to the country that he is uh, apparently entering his resignation as prime minister but it hasn't stopped fevered speculation that the, that he will find some way to uh, hold on or mm. or stage some sort of comeback because he has
1: made cabinet appointments,
0: hasn't he? He has made cabinet appointments. We What we don't know and what we, we can't know is what will be, have happened by the time people listen to this. At, at the moment, we, we are in a situation where the unthinkable for many people has happened in that the Conservative Parliamentary Party has finally we, – we can say this – the Conservative Parliamentary Party has finally found – the issue over which it will not tolerate uh yes. any nonsense from boris johnson and this issue has been the, the the straw that broke the camel's back was the handling of the prime minister's handling of allegations of a close ally around a close ally of his uh, christopher pincher the former government deputy chief whip that emerged last week around uh, allegations of uh, groping men at the carlton club one of a series of allegations that have apparently been raised by mr pinter's conduct uh, that uh, apparently mean it has it, been a, a widely known secret over westminster over a number of years uh, what appears to have been finally p- pushed people over the edge and this this is this is, there's is a long string of events i would argue going back uh, probably uh, at least until dominic Cum- um, cummings uh, uh visit to Barnard Castle, but arguably longer than that, with Boris Johnson, who spent his entire premiership and his entire political career and his entire life testing limits to date, was that the Prime Minister, the Prime Minister in Downing Street stretched the bonds of credulity to breaking point, as it were, by insisting that he had no advanced knowledge of allegations against Chris Pincher. There was a delay in suspending the whip. And it finally emerged this week that when... Uh, Mr. Pinch had been appointed as a foreign office minister mm. under the Johnson administration, Minister for the Americas and Europe. The, the Street assisted the Prime Minister, hadn't known about the allegations. The head of the diplomatic service, Lord MacDonald, then came out and said, then uh, diplomatic service, Lord MacDonald, then came out and said, actually, he did know. And the Prime Minister was forced to concede that he did. And then it started on Tuesday night with two absolutely sensational resignations of Sajid Javid and then uh, Rishi Sunak. So Boris Johnson is now on his third Chancellor of the Exchequer, and Mr Javid has has resigned from Boris Johnson's cabinet twice, now once as Chancellor, now once as Health Secretary. And the resignations have kept coming. He has beaten the record, Simon, for the most number of resignations in a single day, in 24 hours. He's beaten Theresa May on that, my favourite graph by the Institute for Government, where it just shows in the number of ministerial resignations against the axis of time going straight <laughs> right. up. He's passed Theresa May on that as well. But as, as late as last night, the Prime Minister was insisting he would fight on, but the the cracks were starting to show here. And the the nearest parallel I can think of, certainly in my time following politics, was that sensational weekend after the referendum when jeremy corbyn was facing an open revolt the difference is though that mr corbyn was leading a political party Mm. and could actually point Mm. to a mandate from the membership who had elected him directly to that role boris johnson is leading a government and the lumber of ministerial resignations got to a point where parliamentary business today had to be suspended bills couldn't progress there weren't enough ministers to do that there was a just in the very niche area of health infrastructure that i do a lot of work in there was a a minister who did his day's worth of business in parliament then tendered his resignation at the end of that Mm. we had an education secretary appointed uh, michelle donlin who lasted 36 hours in the role and then quit today And probably the thing that is the most extraordinary thing among many extraordinary things, there isn't a suitable epithet, I think, to describe this. We had the chancellor, the newly appointed chancellor, Dean Zahawi, tweeting out a letter this morning saying that he had been to see Boris Johnson yesterday and urged the man who had appointed him less than 24 hours before to quit. That was the point in which the writing seemed to be on the wall. Unlike previous scandals, there hasn't been a rallying round of cabinet ministers. It just seems to be that they've all had enough of the prime minister's utter nonsense at this point in time. There there is a lot to unpack here, but many people are reading the words Boris Johnson to resign and can't quite frankly believe that it has finally happened. Because this is this feels, Simon, like it's been a long time. Coming.
1: Well, I was going to say, you t- you talked about this, the pincher being the straw that broke the camel's back, but there have been an awful lot of straws. I mean, we've been talking about you know the increasing incredulity with which people have been viewing his premiership for some considerable time now, Mike. Yes. Um, I, I, and in the end, it's less to do with policies. I mean, I know a lot of uh, Conservatives are quite angry with the fact that you know Boris Johnson's tacking to the left with the cost of living crisis and everything, but ultimately it 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 really seems to be down to his increasing difficulty in knowing where the truth lies. Boris Johnson or has convincing never known people that what he says is the truth when it's demonstrably not.
0: Boris Johnson has never known where the boundaries of truth have lain, and, and he is a man. We have to say that he is a man of boundless ambition in terms of. Uh, seeking power what we haven't seen is after that initial extraordinary burst of him breaking the parliamentary deadlock over brexit after seeing him win that general election mandate which for the tories was their biggest one in since 1987 hmm. and margaret thatcher's uh, third election victory and second landslide victory is we haven't seen him really make good use of that and there, there, there came a point, I think, when uh, we can trace this back, which bear in mind that Boris Johnson has gone from taking the government from its first net positive approval ratings in over a decade mm. at the height of the pandemic to this point here. He's lost two by-elections. We're seeing a collapse of support in uh, Tory southern England as well, as well as in the Red Wall. Mm. I don't think there's a single moment we can point to here, but this really is, the, the level that this has taken, bear in mind that, that the last time there was probably a leadership ousting that it was this bloody it was Margaret Thatcher, and even she, after having her cabinet tell her to go, accepted that this was the case, that she, she knew the mind. Mr Johnson, as far as this morning, was going, still going to fight on it. It took the second most senior person in the government Openly saying, I can't tolerate working with you anymore. That I'm sad it's come to this point, and what this has become now is that there are parallels drawn here between Donald Trump and the Republican Party. Is there is going to be a struggle going forward in the in the Conservative Party, but also in the wider country, of to what degree there is a a personal mandate for the Prime Minister, but also what can we expect from a a prime minister mm. who, what are the checks and balances on our system? There are so many questions that are raised by this. I mean, I should say that Boris Johnson. Maybe,
1: maybe, maybe that's where we should talk about next. Let's just take a brief <laughs> pause. Sorry, there's so much to unpack, as you've explained <laughs> before. But let us at least give you a chance just to catch your breath for a moment or two.
0: sharing ideas about money this is share radio
1: This is Simon Rose. You're listening to the bigger picture on Show Radio. Where I'm in conversation with political commentator Mike Indian, author of the Gratcho Tendency blog. Um, now I just want to reiterate for anybody who's joining us part the way through that um we are recording this just after uh, midday on Thursday, the 7th of July, where we are expecting at any moment a speech from Boris Johnson, which current indications are that he will resign, but not immediately, that he'll try and sort of stumble through the summer somehow. That's expectation. It may proved to be wrong but given that he's been appointing members of his cabinet this morning i guess that's the likeliest thing but you were talking just before the break mike about you know our own political system and the checks and balances i mean how if he does try to cling on with a caretaker government you know how do we how is the country governed at a time of considerable turmoil anyway while we wait for a new leader to be appointed the, the appointment of conservative party leader is not the quickest thing in the world is it uh,
0: well it can be so let's unpack this so so we've talked first of all there about this caretaker government so this as we speak is taking shape is this boris johnson's intention and i stress his intention here to remain in office for the next two or three months until the autumn so september Mm. october time in a caretaker capacity now on the one hand, this is, there is a constitutional component to this—you can't just vacate the post of prime minister without a successor. However, the Conservative Party could agree on an interim appointee, mm. and the so um, by no means is it clear that, although as Boris Johnson has just announced, he is resigning as leader of the Conservative, Party, that this is the end of his political career. I, I would I would not rule out him going off and forming another political project. We've seen it with Nigel Farage. We've seen it Mm. with Donald Trump. This is a very different kind of politics and the kind of Boris Johnson has always flirted, I would say, with demagoguery. And he has the personal appeal, I would say, to stage a comeback, albeit outside the Conservative Party. And we could be seeing a moment here. This may be too much hyperbole, but I don't think it is to say that this could split the Conservative Party as we know it. There could there could be a, a rump of Johnsonites? It could be that 67p's go off and form a, mm. a pro Johnson party here. But in the immediate term, whoever is in charge has to recognise and these. This is what the, the OBR, the Office of Budget Responsibility, the government's fiscal watchdog, has this morning produced. Its fiscal risks report, which has warned that because of a declining population, a declining workforce, and an aging population, the UK is facing slower growth and slower productivity in the long term. But also, crucial to that, the proportion of spending that goes on health and social care and benefits is going to rise from 18% of GDP mm. to 20% of GDP. And NHS spending is going to overtake welfare as the largest chunk of government spending as well. We are in the short term, we're facing the inflationary spike, double digit inflation there. Stagflation with a recession is a real possibility as well. And what we have now is that if we have a caretaker administration, that hampers the prime minister and by extent the chancellor's room for, for maneuver as well, because the Conservative Party effectively is still consigned. To that 2019 manifesto that Mr. Johnson has stuck to like glue over the last well, years, night. Except for no tax
1: rises. Except for insights. no tax rises. But don't <laughs> yes. forget,
0: we're not seeing massive new innovations yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. We're not seeing uh, we we haven't seen huge changes of direction on policy, yeah, yeah. except over taxation yeah. here, except when they needed to be. Johnson in the after after the pandemic said that 2019 manifesto stands. We are facing a very protracted um membership ballot with the Conservative Party as well the actual selection process will probably be short, quite short and bloody uh, if we think back to 2016 that, that initial selection process uh, emerged, saw Theresa May emerge as the leader 2019 it was far less clear about who might uh, be on the ballot with Mr Johnson uh, one of the things that we have to say at the moment is that this, this, this is. I think everyone should be very concerned by the fact that Boris Johnson has. It's taken this much to push him out. Effectively, mm. this is not a man. This is not a man who is looking at the good of the country here. He's someone who's entirely looking at his own benefits mm. for his own benefit and advancement here. I, I, I know there'll be many people listening to this who are probably fans of Boris Johnson as well. But even then, you must admit that. The decision to remain in office as long as has is, is calculated solely by self interest. There's very little benefit to the country in the in in the term. He could have agreed. A, he could have agreed a, a this staggered departure weeks ago, given a chance for the uh, the, the contest to breathe as well. Mm. His cabinet colleagues as well. What this has also done is this has seriously undermined the credibility of the Conservative Party in the country at large now. And I think there is a real risk of a split emerging here as well because Johnson was elected, don't forget, not so much on the, the back of support number the Tory MPs. And that's ultimately what has done okay. for him at the end of the day. There are very few Johnsonite MPs apart from the ultras like Nadine Doris, like Jacob Rees-Mogg, who were the, really the only ministers to stand by Mr. Johnson, mm. even Nadine Sahawi, who sat in the front row of Mr. Johnson's 2016 press conference was seen as one of Boris Johnson's closest allies as publicly turned on him today. But will the Tory membership feel the same way? The people that overwhelmingly voted for Boris. And this contest, if there is an obvious Johnson successor, if the Prime Minister chooses to endorse somebody, which David Cameron and Theresa May notably did not, that produces a very interesting dynamic in that contest because we're then left with the question of, whoever is elected now, they probably don't have the scope to unite their own party, let Mm -hmm. alone the country. And that electoral coalition Boris Johnson put together, don't forget, yes, he was able to reach over and take seats in the But It was a very shallow coalition. We've seen Tory majorities, most of the marginal seats now, Labour could easily become the largest party if there was a snap election. And... Whoever, whoever does take open brochures would be advised to avoid calling a snap election, I would say, and let the Parliament run its course to give themselves the maximum time to deal with mm, it yeah. here. But equally in southern England as well, a YouGov MRP poll, which is one of the most accurate uh, means of discerning projected seats in an election, Showed that if there was an election today, the Liberal Democrats would pick up twenty-three of those seats, including many across southern England as well, including interestingly both seats in Bournemouth. It would be uh, Tobias uh, um, Tobias Elwood's seats. who's one of the. So this is this is also a factor in why many of Mr Johnson's critics have emerged. So he's, he's 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 constructed this broad but shallow bit of support here as well. It's hard to see. We could be seeing the midst of, of, of a major political realignment at long last and, uh, and perhaps the emergence of even a new political party because Labour, don't forget, are also losing ground in their traditional heartlands. Uh, they're piling up seats in metropolitan. So there is there could be room for the first time for a third party to emerge. And if Mr Johnson has that kind of populist component, that sort of vehicle that Nigel Farage has done so well in the past, then it could be quite an effect on, particularly if there's no if there's no clear consensus on how the country should tackle uh, stagflation. Does he,
1: do you think he's got the, well, either the, the now sort of dedication to set up a new political party? I mean, most of the the, the advisors who helped him um, during Brexit and when he was mayor of London are no longer with him.
0: It, it, look, I suspect that if Boris, John, Boris Johnson will want to try and stage a comeback, I, I think it's too much to hope, and I think we have to look at Dominic Cummings' tweet here, saying that he wants to, Johnson will try to hang on, because don't forget he needs to construct a. This is a man who prorogued Parliament to try and further Brexit. This is a man who uh, repeated a an untruth, a, 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 a scurrilous rumor about legal opposition under parliamentary privilege that led to that contributed to that man in question being surrounded by a mob, by protesters outside Parliament. This is a man who tried to change the rules to protect, firstly, somebody who had been cleared, I mean, um, clearly found to, to break them. So don't want anything out of Boris Johnson. There is, this, he does not play by the same sense of public duty. And this is why we need clearer checks and balances on what happens. And if he's out of office, there's nothing to stop him staging a comeback. Mm. Yes, Yes, the party system makes it harder. But Boris Johnson has never been somebody who has ever really particularly cared about the party or the mm. country. He cares about himself and ultimately he'll want to do what he feels he is owed. And yes. he will this will only this the circumstances in which he was pushed out. Don't forget, Margaret Thatcher was pushed out and she never lost the, the same belief that she should have carried on. Take that with Johnson, times it by 10. Mm. That, that this this is this is the kind of situation we're in now. It's a fascinating thing for any political observer. Yes. And I would if it was anybody else, it was John Major, he'd go off to the cricket, it was David Cameron, he goes off to a shepherd's hut. If it was Margaret Thatcher, she'd go to the back benches and sulk. Ted Heath mm. did the same thing. Boris Johnson, he's a different beast entirely, Simon.
1: Mm. Um, yes. Well, he probably won't be buying any shepherd's huts to write any any books. Um so you said that it could be a quick process. I and mean, clearly it's in the interest of the country, isn't it, to get this sorted as soon as possible. Um, I mean, who are the runners and riders and how could it be very quick, given that we're in such a safe turmoil? I'm imagining that anybody who thinks they're in with the chance is going to try and put their hat it, into it the could ring. It can
0: only be quick if the, the MPs can choose a single candidate. And I think they'll want to avoid that, in all honesty, because of the because of the the way that happened last time round that, you know, yeah. there wasn't that test of the membership. And even then, even if Boris Johnson does said, uh, the two of them do get to go to the country, the Tory membership is is uh, most a hundred thousand people, probably as few as 80,000, 70,000 people. It represents, it does not speak for the majority of the country, even mm. in, in terms of its representation, you know, even if it was a representative sample of people of the country, it would still be a tiny sliver of the people who would actually be eligible to vote. And this is ironic, given that Mr Johnson, you know, the, there is, there is a, a deeper problem here, that this is the third time the Tories have changed leader mid-parliament
1: mm. here.
0: David Cameron in 2016, Theresa May in 2019, now Boris Johnson is having to face a contest in 2020. And he, there is a democratic deficit here as well. Johnson's just been talking about in Downing Street, actually, about his, how he won the biggest majority for the Tories since 1987, the biggest share of the vote since 1979. This doesn't sound to me like the, the speech of a man who is giving up. It sounds to me like a man who's who's decided mm. he, he says at the end of his speech, the future is golden. Now, I suspect that although he, he may, may think he's talking about the country, I think he He's probably talking about himself there as well. Mm. He's he's not behaved in the way of a man who who wants to slink off and lick his wounds. Not much humility in there. No, and I don't think, compared to Theresa May's rather extraordinary to serve the country I'd love, Johnson is not somebody who is used to being told what he can't do. And he will look at the Conservative Parliamentary Party and convince himself, I think, probably in the same vein as Trump, that, in the same way that Thatcher did, that he could have carried on, mm. that he should weeks, have carried on.
1: How many weeks is it since so we actually since we actually had the vote of no confidence?
0: Less about a month. I mean, about a month. <laughs> yes, I, I mean, and that was. Don't forget that's the only formal mechanism of of confidence that actually that there is a formal check mm. on his power. So yes. th- we need to think carefully about what happens to our political system whoever is the prime minister in the short term and then in the longer run whether it's Keir Starmer or whoever succeeds Boris Johnson's leader of the Tory party if it may even be Mr Johnson himself who, who knows I mean this this isn't I've just seen the Suns political editor Harry Cole tweet at the end of the road I, I am not sure of that in any means now mm. we are going to see a a multi-way collision. We've already had the Attorney General declare her candidacy on TV. We've already had the Steve Baker, who's one of the more eccentric Tory MPs, declaring he's going to run, but also a very effective campaigner as well. There's um, there's nothing really more to be said at the moment, hmm. I think. So how long might it,
1: might this actually take? If we're assuming that it's going to be a heavily contested contest,
0: how Long we, is it likely to drag out? I mean, they want it done by the autumn, so expect a summer of leadership contests as well. Uh, they want the, the, the parliamentary party will want to have the two candidates selected by the time MPs go back to their constituencies. Then we'll be having a, a rerun of 2019 with the, the two candidates going over the country and speaking at various events. My money at the moment, if I had to make any any bets, and I appreciate that, mm. as in the words of my great uh politics professor the (laughs) predictions are a mugs game but at the moment it feels to me that the the, the cabinet candidate will be liz truss and i would be very surprised if jeremy hunt wasn't in the final two we should mention
1: as well we were talking about resignations before but there was of course that one sacking
0: in there as well wasn't there (laughs) Well, is Michael Gove going to yeah. run again as well? The, the, the snake in the grass. Oh, sorry, it's Gove not. Yes, 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 absolutely. I, yes, I Michael, just... Michael, Michael Gove may run again. I mean, he's run in you know, the two previous contests. And I think Boris Johnson's probably, that was probably the moment most people thought Johnson had lost the plot when he, it, it would have been equivalent. The nearest equivalent would have been uh, Margaret Thatcher sacking Ken Clark in mm. 1990 as Education Secretary for saying that, the the invention this this is that they should go but ultimately I think we have to reflect and this is probably a positive note for us to sort of finish on here okay uh, and this is this is you know me Simon I'm, I'm an eternal optimist uh, in spite of yeah, my I'm spite, surprised but in yes. spite <laughs> of my advancing years you've known me long enough now to know that I'm of sunny disposition but yeah. I just want to quote something from James Landale. And James Landale um, is the former VT deputy political and non-diplomatic uh, correspondent. So he's somebody who actually has the benefit of watching these things firstly from inside Westminster, but also from the advantage of being outside as well. And he said, actually, from an international perspective, we think about changes in leadership. This is this is a bloodless change. This is a bloodless transition. There's no tanks. There's no netting. There's no. Think about what's happening in Ukraine right now, and. I have to reflect, actually, that although it's a bizarre and slightly frustrating process, I think that the we can be pleased that, that ultimately whatever happens, I feel confident that there'll be a peaceful transition of power. Yes, there might be some bizarre situations and quirks or risks in British mm-hmm. politics, but at the end of the day as stubborn as boris johnson is he hasn't called the army down downing street we are actually still a functioning democracy and <laughs> and i think actually that in all seriousness that is something that we should remember the context in which we live and despite the many trials and tribulations that this conservative government and this prime minister have put our institutions through they have stood up to the test of time and that but that doesn't mean they're not right for reform. We've got a good system mm. here and we can build on it and make it better. So let's take that impetus going forward for whoever's the next prime minister. Let's have a system that really can deliver democratic accountability and people can begin to have faith in again as well. And it begins with the resignation of a man who's been utterly untrustworthy and unfit to hold office. And that's Boris Johnson. Mm. Mike, thank you very much indeed. I've been in conversation with political commentator, Mike Indian, author of
1: the Show Tendency blog, which you probably should be following uh, all the time anyway, but certainly in the next few days, which promise to be extremely interesting for any political watcher. Mike, thank you very much indeed. That's it for The Bigger Picture.
0: The Bigger Picture, going behind the headlines of the biggest economic and political stories of the day.